Hi, welcome to today's program. This is Kennedy with Living on God's Word. Today, we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from the Jesus Bible, NIV edition. We'll review key takeaways and we'll end our session with a prayer. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I'm covering the head in worship. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For woman came from man, so also is born of woman, but everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Correcting an abuse of the Lord's Supper. In the following directives I have no praise for you, for your meeting do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, but when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. 
Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. This is the end of the reading. So what can we take away from here? I think it's really important to focus on Paul's instruction on the Lord's Supper. He basically tells us that the Lord's Supper is a way to unite all Christians, for all of us to come together and proclaim the death of Christ and also his resurrection. But we are to proclaim his death until he comes again. He also says that we are to examine ourselves before we partake in the Lord's Supper and drink of his blood. Meaning that we need to look at our internal spiritual condition. We need to look at our external physical condition in the world. And we need to make sure that we are in alignment under Jesus Christ. That we are under spiritual alignment as well as our actions, our words, our thoughts, our physical alignment should also be under Christ. And then with a clear and pure heart, we can partake in the supper of the Lord, which is the body of Christ, which unifies all of us. So let us now end with a short prayer. Father, dear Lord, heavenly God, we thank you again for coming into our lives for bringing this word, your word, in the Bible, alive, and guiding us, Lord, helping us understand what the Lord's Supper truly means. Help us understand that Christians of all denominations are to be united under you, Lord, and that your supper is a unification, a symbol of unification, not a symbol of disunity. Lord, Help us inspect and analyze our thoughts, our hearts, our actions, and make sure that we repent and that we come under your submission and that we align our spirits under your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes today's reading and interpretation of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We hope that you will join us again tomorrow. God bless you. This is Kennedy, your brother in Christ always.